You're now listening to the Something Good Podcast Network. Please press any key to continue. A new chapter this morning in the battle against Ebola. Nickelback are back. The multi-platinum band has just announced a new album and a North American summer. Until you see the flaming butthole, you ain't seen nothing yet. Something good for ya. Everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the Something Good For You podcast where we sift through the bullshit to try to find a little something good to give you. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Alex Stiff, and sitting across from me as always is the one and only Captain Nunn. What's up, everybody? And this week we are joined by Eddie Ford of the Self-Made Monsters. How you doing, sir? Good. <laughs> now we've been, uh, two of us have been working on some art projects here lately and figured we'd come back up here to Chani Grove and visit the, the Rock and Roll Museum, as I kind of call it, because this place is probably, your house is probably the most well-decorated house I've ever been in. Easily. Uh, I've probably got a lot of shit in here. Yeah. For sure. Between you, Jeff Williams, Jeff Clayton, and I haven't been to Russ's place yet, mm-hmm. but y'all are like the, the biggest collectors. Alex, too, that I know uh, basically in my life right now. And it's like this little core group of, of guys and bands in Charlotte that I've like gotten to uh, know pretty well that are into this kind of thing. And uh, it's, just, it's, it's real fun for me because I love this kind of stuff, too. Yeah, it, it, it helps with life, I believe. Yeah. Is I it just kind of like a release? Yeah, well, I come home, it's like my brain's exploded in my house. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like I'm surrounded by all the shit that I like. Yeah, you got like Twisted Sister, Godzilla, Kiss, old horror movie posters, Batman. Yeah, Toho. all kinds of stuff, <laughs> comic books, horror movies, music. Yeah, it's like when we first came, this is the first time Cap was here, and it's like we spent yeah. the first hour and just like getting the full tour of everything. I was going to say, if you're very visual and you have ADD, it's going to fuck you up. You know, kind of, <laughs> just like the overstimulation of all the cool things, like all these old vintage Kiss posters and these Toho posters and these Batman posters. It's all just like super cool to me. Yeah, yep. and there's a lot of cats in here, too. <laughs> but they're all hiding. Yeah, they don't the like sofa. us. <laughs> Two big babies that were in here earlier. Now, since we're kind of talking about the collecting thing, like with me, I realized that like my collecting started young. Like there were certain things that like I remember specifically they were called Mighty Beans and they were like the size of my thumb and it was just weighted. It kind of had like a ball bearing in it that would flip side to side. And it's like if you held it in your hand, they would kind of flip and roll some and and they came in like different designs. And I remember being like seven, eight years old and that being one of the first things I really, really wanted to collect. I wanted to get all of them. So like was the getting the posters and the trading cards and the toys something that you enjoyed as a kid or more in your teens, adults? Yeah, a lot of this stuff I've had since I was a kid. Yeah. Like some of the Godzilla stuff, the Migos, um, the Pez dispensers, uh, drink cups I still have. Uh, yeah, I, I have comics that I bought at the fast fair when I was a kid. Oh, wow. My dad would give me some money and walk a couple, eh, about maybe half a mile mm. to the fast fair when we lived in Kannapolis. And I'd be able to play Dig Dug, get a couple comics and an Icy. Oh, yeah. See, so, but, and how old were you around then? Uh, let's see, probably third grade. Yeah, see, but that's like perfect for a third grader because I even remember around because I, I came up in that weird time where it's like arcades were slowly going out. 
when I started kind of going in, because well, I was were, born in 92. Yeah, they were everywhere then. You had mm-hmm. pinball machines and video games and, you know, convenience stores. Yeah. Uh, Probably even in like department stores, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, yeah, you did. Yeah, Kmart, Zares, places like that. Yeah, and it's like, and I remember uh, one I was growing up there it was the mall in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and they had like a tiny little place, like tucked off in the corner near the far end of the mall, that had like a handful of arcade machines in it, and that was like my only experience with it. And then it just went away one day. Yeah, that's, so, that. That was the way it was in the nineties. Mm-hmm. They would have like the tiny little. Yeah. And for me now, arcade, I relate to the beach because the beach, Myrtle Beach, is the only place throughout the years I've been able to consistently play arcade games, whether it be like the skee ball or pinball or any of that kind of stuff. Only Myrtle, I've been able to find like consistent arcades. I grew up in a real small town outside of Memphis, and the only arcade we had was in the middle of a pool room that was in the downtown area, and that only lasted like for like maybe a year or two. But we would go up there every Saturday to play uh, Street Fighter, Miss Pac-Man. Uh, they had a Mar- uh, Super Mario Brothers arcade mm-hmm. set up, too, where you could play uh, the two-player setup. And I think yep. they had Super Mario 3 as well at one point. Wow. That, they had a bunch of them that just kind of came in and out. Like they had the, the Ninja Turtle. Oh, arcade yeah. game too that came out before the cartoon kind of worked like street fighter yeah i played dig dug galaga rampage and what was it was it called dragon's lair yes with yes. The, it was like the video screen i played mm, that, that. that was uh, oh god yeah that was that was one of those that's actually infamous now kind of like the video game world because that was one of those systems that was trying to do like the actual video around like quotes around video mm-hmm. game trying to make it like a playable cartoon mm-hmm. it was really weird there was like a zelda game that was really badly done like that and a mario one and yeah dragon's lair yeah i had a dragon's lair lunchbox but i sold it oh wow yeah see and and that's and that's always the funny thing is what I don't know. You might have an answer for it. Why is it that people like us that wind up kind of gravitating toward horror movies, rock and roll, stuff like that, that at least classic arcade games also find their way in? Like, we're, we're not PlayStation guys. We're not Xbox guys. But, like, yeah, it is fun to fucking turn it on and play Pong a little. Play a little Dig Dug every yeah. so often. I don't play nowhere near as much as I did when I was a kid. Yeah. But every once in a while, I'll... I'll plug up the Nintendo and play Rampage. Yeah. I'll plug up the Atari, play Dig Dug. Doesn't last very long though, because no. I'm bored with it now. But but it is just an interesting thing how it you know even like Gene Simmons, you know, just how people like us that are kind of get wrapped into the rock and roll scene also kind of get wrapped into the video game thing. It's mainly just like a fantasy aspect. Uh, maybe or it's an escape from the reality yeah. of life so I, do, yeah. so I do the same thing with uh super nintendo games like donkey kong country and stuff like that i'll play that for about 20 30 minutes get bored with it and uh use it as a good excuse to shut my brain off for a minute and just you know play through something i enjoyed when i was a kid that wasn't hard you don't have to think about anything else it shuts the world off and yeah. i think since that uh since nintendo in particular had so many like iconic characters and things like that not unlike you know stuff from the 70s that you know we all collect and things like that it has that uh you know appeal to where we're like oh we have that thing uh, from my childhood that's uh you know 20 some odd years old now that yeah. you know is worth a lot of that could be worth a lot of money and it's kind of cool to have and these are all essentially superhero characters not superhero characters but you know larger than life larger than life characters there you go the video games did you know i still have it and i still enjoy it but it didn't stick with me as much as 
music and comic books and horror movies that stuff i'm yeah still way into and now were you was that like for instance i was lucky you know mom she gave me the rundown on what punk rock and rock and roll was you know so so was the comic book and horror movie thing kind of nurtured in your house or was that like the you gotta sneak it in well it was no it wasn't like oh yeah no the comic books no problem yeah except for the time i bought a savage sword of conan magazine that i think had some boobs in it that's kind of what that was like <laughs> and then I famous fa- for and then i went to look at it one day and the page had just been neatly <gasps> tore out oh. uh-huh. <laughs> but comic book like you know marvel and dc comics nah um horror movies that came from when i was little they would you know, I guess you'd call them reruns, or they'd show them on TV a lot, especially mm-hmm. on Saturdays. So I'd see Godzilla movies on Saturdays, along with you know kung fu movies, martial art movies, whatever. Um, but the two particular ones that struck a nerve with me was the Amityville Horror mm-hmm. and the made-for-TV movie Gargoyles. Really, gargoyles? Okay, yeah. not the Disney. I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I yeah. know which one you're talking about. That's why it kind of struck me as I don't remember watching it all the way through, but I have seen bits of it. I I love it. Yeah, I think it's great. Um, but there were two scenes in each one of those movies that got me. One was one where the the, the Amityville Horror, where the preacher is in the room and he's blessing the house while they're all outside. Yeah. And, you know, the door's shut, all the flies are running, and then when the door opens and you hear that voice, yeah. get out. <laughs> <laughs> and then the gargoyles, where the gargoyle lands on top of the car. Okay. That got me. And then so from there on out, it's horror movies and Godzilla mm-hmm. movies. And, and what's funny is I can, I can kind of list my two that really got me. One, uh, I was watching Psycho on TV. And it's like it was the classic scene. It was the the ripping the shower curtain open with the knife going. Yeah, for little six, seven-year-old Alex, I just happened to catch that on the Sci-Fi Network or wherever it was playing. Oh, God, yeah, that sent me into a tizzy. And then... I had become a fan of the black and white Frankenstein already. I liked that. I loved that to death. Well, uh, Jeff Young came to visit uh, me and mom when we lived in Gaffney, South Carolina. And I had just watched Mary Shelley Frankenstein from the 90s and with fucking bald-ass Frankenstein and everything else. And that movie freaked me the fuck out because the moment it got me was when the monster fucking put his fucking arm through the woman's chest and pulled out her goddamn heart and was just like, ah! <laughs> I was just like, fuck! So I was already freaked out by that. No more than a week later, Jeff Young is in town visiting, and we walk into the, the double wide we were living in, and he tells me, hey, little Al, go across the room, turn the light on for me. And I was already feeling a little fidgety anyway, so I'm like kind of moseying myself through the house, and he's like tiptoeing behind me, and right as my hand's about to fucking touch that light switch, he just goes, Ugh, scared the ever-loving shit out of me, but maybe a lifelong frankenstein fan so i don't know maybe it's trauma (laughs) (laughs) maybe and there was there was one other one that i saw on tv and it took me years i was probably in probably after high school until i figured out what movie it was yeah it's called race with the devil Mm -hmm. but i always remembered this scene where the satanic cult is after these two this uh these two couples yeah 
that are on holiday in their uh, what do you call them winnebago mm-hmm. rv whatever they have a little dog well one of the women opens the door and the dog is hanging from the inside of the door dead mm. and it just always yeah. fucked with me <laughs> and one other one it's not necessarily a horror movie but the deep Whenever they have the girl, I can't remember her name, Jacqueline Bissett, I believe, or something like that. They're doing a voodoo ritual on her, and they're painting in chicken blood on her stomach. Yeah. That always stuck with me. It's it's always the weird shit that I like. See, I I got monster movies more than often when I was a little kid, when I was uh, staying up past midnight watching that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. That and a lot of uh, Ray Harryhauser uh, stop motion movies. I'm watching one of them right now. I... uh, I have, uh, what is it fucking called? Oh, um, see, I can't see any of the titles from uh, over here. I have the, I don't know. I can't see it either. (laughs) Look like you're a spig of drink. Yeah, really. (laughs) He's getting up and having to check real quick. (laughs) I thought it it was Eye of the Tiger, and I was right, but I didn't want to say it because I was like, maybe I'm just thinking about Survivor. Gotcha. (laughs) Right. I didn't see that one, but like my favorites were always like you know some of the classics, like a uh, Beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms, yep. and uh, what's the one with the green mo- Twenty Million Miles from Earth? There was always a number in there. Um, well, yeah, there was. What's the the one with the giant squid? Yeah, can't remember the name of it now. So, didn't Ray Harryhauser? He did a. Uh, see, that was he the, did the, Clash the, of the Titans, the Sinbad movies. He did all the Sinbad movies. Um, I was always into creatures when yeah. I was a little kid, and. Uh, well, yeah, I was a big dinosaur. Uh, well, I still am. I love dinosaurs. Same here. When I was a kid, you know, Stegosaurus. Dem- oh uh, yeah, I was that annoying kid in second grade that knew what a uh, Pachycephalosaurus was. So you can say that. I probably can't. What Dimetrodon? <laughs> Dimetrodon. Yeah, yeah, I like I like that one a lot. That's not really <laughs> even a dinosaur technically. Well, what was it? Just a reptile. Okay, well, so you're telling me like it was a, no bigger than a lizard? It was like a uh, plesios, not a plesiosaurus, but like a. Uh, <laughs> see, I know it. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I was that kid well, in yeah, second so grade. You, oh, no, you were more into it than I was. I just oh, thought yeah. they looked cool, and I knew some, most of the names. But um, this yeah, was so a Stegosaurus. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. That's how I got into Godzilla and stuff. horror movies, Kiss, comic books. Mm-hmm, that was mm-hmm. pretty much the start of you know, my, my Godzilla, King Kong. Yeah, I couldn't tell looking around here that that was, that was <laughs> definitely your influences. That was not, you know, it wasn't something that I just got into one day. Yeah. You know, it's like even with comics, mm-hmm. collecting them now, you know, like now Moon Knight's going to be hot. Yeah. And people are going to be like, oh, you just like him because they're the, and like, no. It's like, no, I've, I've, been, <laughs> I've been coming over here at least for like well over five years and you have had the same shit in here regardless of what's hot and trendy oh now you want to sit with me <laughs> yeah because i remember you talking about moon knight forever ago when we were doing all this you're like i don't know when marvel's gonna make me a moon knight movie and they, they've been doing fine with everything else and yeah it took them another six seven years to do it but it looks like they're about well, that's, to finally one of the last ones i could think of mm-hmm. i can't think of any other character they can make a movie uh, they could finally do ghost rider well it would have been good if it wouldn't have been Nick Cage. That's what I'm saying. So now they have a chance to actually do it well. Yeah. So, I th- yeah, outside of that, though, nah, I'm not interested in seeing another Green uh, Lantern. They could do Werewolf by Night, Tomb of Dracula, maybe, but I don't know how they would go around yeah, the Tomb of Dracula Well, deal. I was going to say, Universal was trying to build up their classic horror movie thing again, and that's... It, that movie is so bad. Oh, the, 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 the Mummy? Like it. Yeah, it's... 
terrible, <laughs> but I can't help but watch it. I heard they were trying to cram like everybody in that one. Like, we're building a universe. Well, Here's fucking uh, Van Helsing or whatever, played well, by Russell Crowe. Well, no. Was he, it not him? No, he played Dr. Jekyll. That's right. So, but if you notice in the where they go to where Dr. Jekyll's at, like the little museum, you see the creature from the Black Lagoon's hand. Oh, so they were like really pushing start, that fucking they're like, universe what you hard. Easter eggs yeah. in there. So there was a bunch of that, which that was cool. Mm-hmm. That movie might would have been okay if it wouldn't have been for Tom Cruise. Yeah. No, he's, he's, he's yeah. But they're, I think they're like about to make like a Bride of Frankenstein movie, like kind of in that, that same universe. Oh, well, well, I guess, was that Invisible Man? Was that supposed That's to, supposed to be in the universe too? Also. It wasn't bad, but it was still it was rough. I, it was it was a hard, it was a good movie, but it was kind of like a, you know a rough watch. You're like you know on edge the whole time, like uncomfortable. Not really to me. I was just I went and saw it. That was the last movie I saw in the theater before the pandemic hit. Yeah, um, and I was just sitting there going, ah, okay, all right. So yeah, it's not really about the Invisible Man. It's about a guy that abused a woman. Mm-hmm. That's really the core story, which is fine, but I'm sitting there, I'm going to see a fucking movie about a mad scientist that turns himself invisible and goes insane. Yeah. Which so, is so, not what I really got no, from that movie. No, that's not what that movie's about at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so. okay, so let me ask you on this. So, you know, since you are kind of a comic fan, another movie that kind of did that, I don't know if you saw it or not, um, what did you think of Joker? Because they kind of did the same thing. They took the concept of the character and kind of flipped it on his head and basically did Taxi Driver. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. But I wasn't like blown away by it. Yeah. It's a good movie. Because I was kind of curious to see like someone that grew up actually loving those comics, how that take was for you kind of growing up with it all. Well, it was better than watching um, another Batman or Spider Man movie where they do the origin a little bit different but it's the same it's like okay i already fucking know how he became batman and i already know how he became spider-man i'm fucking bored with this shit (laughs) and if if they say well it's for new kids it's for the kids tell them to read a book yeah Yeah. (laughs) your mom and dad know what happened to batman yeah ask them i don't want to see it again matter of fact don't make another spider-man or batman movie for another 15 years and i might be dead by then so i don't have to suffer through it and i'm not saying that they're bad it's just like come on there's yeah. so much other shit you could do well let me float this by you so what there was a deleted scene for that joker movie very 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 ending so after we've had the big city uproar and all that he's sitting back in that room with the therapist and she's mm-hmm. like you know what are you laughing about and he's like oh nothing you wouldn't get it after that, the actual movie shows him walking back through the hall with like bloody feet, and you know, people chasing yeah, her after yeah, him. Yeah. Movie ends. Well, originally, he went, You wouldn't get it. And they kind of do like the audio cue to show us like a flashback, like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to clip back to the alleyway scene of Bruce Wayne's parents getting shot. And when the guy turns around to walk away, he lifts up the mask, and it's the Arthur Fleck Joker character. So they were considering in that universe making Batman's killers the Joker. Well, they did that with uh, the, Tim, the Burton. Tim Burton one. Mm-hmm. But they were considering like fully going through with it with this new yeah, one. My whole thing with that Joker was the way it ended yeah. is I was like, well, did any of that really happen? 
Or was that just his story? Yeah, exactly. That's kind of the whole thing with the Joker's backstory is that there's not really a backstory. But here's the other thing, too. If they would have used that ending, then the Joker would be like 80 years old by the time that kid became Batman. So it's kind of dumb. Well, there was like a whole Joker thing in one of the video games where he was just like, well, the good thing about, you know, being creative with, uh, you know, uh, being me is that you can use whatever backstory you want. Mm-hmm. And I think the other interesting thing that it feels like the comic books are kind of leaning into the TV show Gotham leaned into this a good bit. And I think it's the first time they've added a new wrinkle to the Joker's mythos that actually kind of makes sense. So there was some rights issues with the Joker name and they couldn't use it in that Gotham series. Was it because of Steve Miller? No, it had to do with WB not wanting. Okay, it's like the same thing of like Superman. I know what you're laughing at, uh, but it's the same thing like with uh, Superman oh. not being allowed <laughs> to have it. his own TV it. series. Uh, it's like sorry. Superman not being allowed to have his own TV series. They uh, don't want to dilute the major character by having it in a uh, TV I, show. Well, yeah, or they want to be able to make more money at the movies that's because where they're it would make, be yeah, diluted exactly, on TV. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. It's it's however you want to paint it. The reason's still there. So, but. They really wanted to use the character. They really wanted to fucking use it. So they created a new wrinkle. So the Joker that was in the movie was named Jerome. The actual human's name was Jerome. Mm. He legit dies in the show. But as he dies, the person that, you know, helped him, like, get the Joker serum, you know, turned him crazy was like, you've already set it in motion, though you're not the last one and then it shows like tv projections of that joker doing shit and you see just some random guy walking down the street starts watching on tv and he starts chuckling and so it's the idea of the joker gets passed down to the next person to the next person it's like okay that's kind of interesting that way you get rid of one of the person but if someone else gets brainwashed by the idea of the joker you can't truly kill him yeah because the joker's not just a you know a person or whatever it's just an idea it's an, it's an idea it's a mindset yeah, that must be a new thing it is always, and that's why i said it's a new wrinkle yeah. that I, I actually don't mind that one it kind of makes the idea of the joker even scarier it's like even if batman were to finally kill the motherfucker there's probably someone out there that's going to want to take over that role for him. He's one of the few villains in comics where that's his identity, where there's like, you know, there's a handful of aliases, but, you know, they're all either like made up by the character, you know, here and there. But, you know, for the most part, it's just the Joker being the Joker. And yeah. he's like the ultimate foil for like, you know, most villains. But the, yeah, there is a part of me where I'm just like. Or most heroes, rather. Can can we just throw him in the vat and he becomes the Joker and just leave it there? Yeah. But then I'm, I realize that it's a big corporate thing. They have to keep <laughs> making money off of it. So they have to keep reinventing the wheel with yeah. it and all that shit. Mm-hmm. So it's just like. Like, that's, nope. that's why when I go to comic book movies, I'm like, at first, you know, I was like, oh, man, that's not how it happened in the comics. And then I was like, you know what? Who, who cares? They're, they're, they've got to they've got to make it to where Joe Q public mm-hmm. can get into it. And they also got to please the comic book nerd. So they're straddling that fence, and then that's when I was just like, I don't care. I'm just going to go watch the movie, and I'll either like it or I won't, whatever. I was going to say, are you, are, but are you going to feel that way toward Moon Knight? Or are you going to be yeah. kind of watching that one with a little bit more of a fine-tooth comb? No, no, because I've already watched, as a kid, the two Swamp Thing movies, and those are basically nothing like that. And they ruined Man-Thing. 
Mm -hmm. That was a straight to fucking DVD, and it's garbage. Yeah. So some of the Swamp Thing movies from the eighties. Yeah. They're like two of them, right? Yeah. Yeah. What do you enjoy? There there was the TV show that was on, I think, USA. That was not that good. I remember that one. Then they did the new one, which was great. Mm -hmm. But of course, they did what eight episodes? Yeah, the WB thing. No, no, it was streaming. Yeah, the WB streaming one. Yeah, or the DC stream. Oh, whatever. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. it's all the same crap now. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> HBO now. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that was great. And then it just ended because they pulled the plug on it. What, is there like any, like, say, new horror movies that you kind of enjoy? Because I know you definitely enjoy the uh, 70s, 80s cult kind of films, but like, and of course, Rob Zombie films don't fucking count, but like, any sort of newer horror films that come out that you're like, well, damn, that's actually quality. There probably is. I just can't think of them right now. Have you? It I've, seems I, like I ask everyone this: Have you seen the new Evil Dead that came out? I say new. It came out in twenty thirteen. I saw it, but I do not remember it at That's, all. That is period. one of the few remakes of a horror movie that is, if it's not as good as the original, it at least stands up on its own legs. It's a, it's a, like he was saying, it kind of stands by itself, and that it's kind of like a, it's an earnest take on Evil Dead. There's nothing campy about it, even though it's extreme and it's like still kind of fun to watch. It's still like there's nothing cute about any of it. Yeah, as as campy as the original was, as campy as that is, that's as brutal in the new one. I didn't <laughs> think the original one was that campy. Now, part two was campy as fuck. I, okay, so when I say campy, I mean more like the special effects, maybe looking a little cheaper, you well, know, yeah, and, and certain was, kind of stuff. Like, well, that that leads to campiness. Nah, to me, book. that that shit looks better than the CGI. Well, Most see, none, of the time. none of this is CGI. No. They go they go back to the legit okay. rubber fucking arms. Shit you know, getting I, ripped off. As a matter of fact, I bought that movie at a big lots. And I watched it one time, and then I got rid of it. So no I obviously shit. didn't <laughs> care for it. <laughs> well, that's one of my current new favorite ones. And I was just kind of thinking, I was like, if there was anything right now that you were digging on. I've watched so many movies. I watch a movie every night. Yeah. So, let me think. And you don't even do streaming services. No. I just go. You to, looked at me so quick for well, that one. You're like, no. Because you've got like <laughs> stacks and stacks of DVDs, Blu-rays, and VHSs just in every yeah, room I, in the house. <laughs> Well, I, I'm not going to give any of my, as Russ would say, honey holes away. <laughs> right. But around here, there's a bunch of thrift stores and a bunch of pawn shops. Mm-hmm. And I can hit those places and find some real good shit real mm-hmm. cheap. Were you a video store junkie just as yes. a kid? Right on. There was a place called VSI that was right down the road in Kannapolis. And I went there every weekend when I was a kid in junior high rent movies watch them and even up until they shut down it was a five for five you could get five movies for five nights i did that every week nice hell yeah just uh just random decisions just based off of like looks on covers and things like that or if they had something that i particularly had been looking like you know like a movie like rolling thunder they had that not too many people know about that it's a really i like it's a good flick Shit like that, and then just random stuff. Like, that's how I found out about Black Flag and the Germs. It's because they had the first decline of Western civilization. We watched that not what, too long ago. What year ago. was that? Do you know kind of age range you found that one? Early 90s. Oh, yeah? Probably like 90 or 91, because I already knew about the Circle Jerks. Yeah. Because I'd bought that cassette in, I think, eighth grade, mm-hmm. because I rented the movie Thrashing. Ah, got it. 
I never saw thrashing. It's got jo- Josh Brolin is the skateboard. Kid. No shit, yes. young babyface Josh Brolin. Yes. <laughs> and there's a scene where he's getting chased by the uh, villain skateboard gang, and they play wild in the streets yeah. by circle trucks. I was like, oh, who's this? So I watched the credits and it said circle jerks. So that weekend. When I got dropped off at the mall with my allowance, mm-hmm. I found that tape. Bought yeah. it. Careful with slamming your fist yeah. on the table. <laughs> <laughs> damn it. Heavy metal podcast, Joe. No, but uh, I was going to say, so it really does sound like all of this is like, we're kind of painting the picture of the young Eddie Ford almost kind of by accident. All this is kind of coming together. It feels like you're kind of experiencing and discovering the punk rock while really going in and like renting your videotapes and getting all that. It's kind of all tying together at the same time, is yeah, it not? Yeah, I was, but I was, on the music end, I was the... Oh, I was already weird, but I was even dubbed even stranger because I had, like, say, we, I, I skated then as well. Yeah. So I'd show up at this guy's um, half pipe, and I'd have my cassettes because yeah. he had a radio, jam box, boom box, whatever. And I would have stuff like L.A. Guns, Motley Crue, Faster Pussycat, Kiss, and then Circle Jerks and Jane's Addiction. And he would also go like he'd go like Elegans, no, Faster Pussycat, no, James Addictions, yes, Circle Jerks, yeah, yeah. So not so much the hair metal. That crowd I didn't fit in with, but then the hoodlums at high school I fit in with because they liked all that fucking shit. wasn't called hair metal then. It's right. just rock. Yeah, it's just rock music, rock hard and rock, whatever. Yeah. So there was the weirdness there i didn't really fit in mm-hmm. with any certain crowd right as far as that went so yeah and that's just kind of what prime actually drove you to kind of even finding weirder music being like all right well let's oh, go yeah. down it further because you'd pick up like a rag like metal edge or rip and let's say it was faster pussycat interview and they would drop names like new york dolls or t-rex or sweet stuff like that because they call it, they did maybe call it glam metal back then, but once I got into glam rock, I was like, oh, nah, this, this is <laughs> glam rock. That's it. Yeah. Right. But yeah, that's how I, from that hair metal shit or whatever you want to call it, that's how I got into T Rex, Alice Cooper. Mm. Well, you found the good stuff Sweet, Slade, Bowie, all, the, Euro- all the European 70s glam. Yeah, so all that stuff. Well, not New York Dolls. Well, yeah, American. but they get lumped in that a lot. That's probably one of the few American bands that does. Um, so then from there, and the Circle Jerks kind of just laid there by theirself. And then it was from getting into those bands, it was like, oh, well, these bands influenced the Ramones, the Sex Pistols, and then it was the Black Flag. And then it just kind of opened up even more, especially when uh, Jeff Clayton... I was working at Cheapo with him. He was like, hey, this guy Nick Turner's coming. You need to go check it out. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, Nick Turner? Who the fuck is that? And he goes, he was in Hawkwind. I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> Hawkwind, right? Because I don't even think I was into Motorhead at that point. This is probably like 94, yeah. 95 maybe. And so I went to see Nick Turner, and it blew me away. Yeah. So then it was space rock. Then I was getting into all that shit. and. Then Fu Manchu. So. I think Nick Turner still tours by himself every now and he then, does. doesn't he? I went and saw him the last time he came. He played Raleigh. He didn't play Charlotte. 
Yeah, he came to play in Knoxville a couple of times. I never got to see him, but he would always, you know, build himself Nick Turner from Hawkwind. And yeah, well, that's where the Clayton had talked me into it because he said, "Well, they do this song called Silver Machine, which is basically a glam rock song." So then I was like, "Okay, well, I'll go check it out." <laughs> so I come, and it, on this tour, he came out in a white like jumpsuit with a space helmet on. Okay, with the like he had a gun or a phaser whatever the fuck you want to call it just went pew pew. and he had this paint on his hands that when he shined the light from the gun it looked like it went through his hand oh okay. some kind of weird optical illusion yeah so it was just cool as fuck that is cool and, and so kind of hearing all that when you finally got to the point of like you know making music and being in a band did you kind of just hop in and go okay well i'm just going to do punk rock because that's just what i know no. or were you already uh, trying to do something different no well see i was a drummer well still am but back then that's all i did so i was friends with joe mm-hmm. joe pool so he played guitar and i played drums we would get together on the weekends and watch horror movies yeah so we started jamming so it was just me and him, and then, you know, it was we were doing shit like uh, bathroom wall by the fast, five faster pussycat stuff like that stuff he learned on guitar. So then from there, it was he went off and played guitar in some bands, and then he started something with uh, Ray Franks called Frankenstein Drag Queens. Nope, oh. Maniac Spider Trash. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I was a drummer in that. So then for some reason, I left, and then working at Cheapo, oh, and then I, I played in a band called Branded. Branded. Yeah, it Anyone was... Anyone I knew in that one? Randy Robinson, Brad Mullins, and Matt Crocco. Oh, Brad Mullins, yeah. Okay. So, played drums in that, and then after that, I was just kind of like, man, I'm, I'm sick and tired of playing drums for bands that's not really the kind of music I'm into. Mm-hmm. So, working at Cheapo, Jeff Clayton goes, well, why don't you sing? And I'm like, well, why would I do that? I'm a drummer. He goes, Iggy was a drummer. And then mm, I was like... It clicked. I was like, oh, okay. All right. And then he was also like, well, Gigi was a drummer and Steven Tyler was a drummer. And I was like, oh, okay. All right. Gotcha. So, then that's where that started. And it wasn't that... I There was no decision there. Yeah. We... I, and I met the two brothers, mm-hmm, Mike mm-hmm. and Scott Jenkins. Parallels keep coming up. Yeah. And, well, see, Scott, or Mike was in ninth grade. The... Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> Mike was in ninth grade. I was in 12th grade. Well, I seen him, and he was trading CDs with this cat, and he had stuff like the Beatles, Moody Blues, shit Moody that Blues. a kid in ninth grade wouldn't normally be listening to. Yeah. So I walked up to him and I was like, hey, you know, what do you listen to? And we just kind of started talking. Yeah. Well, I went over to his house and there was his brother in the comic books and what were those uh, pogs? Oh, God. Yeah. yeah I remember those shit. Those. Yeah. Fuck. I don't know if I remember the pogs. Yeah. And they were kind of like these belt. You kind of flipped them inside out, right? And then they'd pop. I have no idea. I just know that Scott was into them because I think at that point, Scott was probably in sixth grade mm. maybe yeah if if i'm remembering it correctly i could be 100 percent wrong but it, from what i remember cap it seemed like take like a bouncy ball cut the bitch in half hollow it out and if you like flipped it out inside out and then like set it there left it there for a second once it would spring back out it would like pop up off the ground 
No, never had any of those. I, I remember that being a thing, and I think that's what it might have been called. But again, yeah. if I'm wrong, I'm fucking wrong. Um, so we started hanging out, and his dad, of course, had the Ventures, uh, Outer Limits, and Stone's Aftermath, and the 45 for Psychotic Reaction by the Count Five. So his dad let me borrow those. And the Ventures, um, Outer Limits is one of my favorite albums, and I love Aftermath, but that psychotic reaction, yeah. when I heard that, that started me off into the garage rock thing. Right. I went back and started getting into all the 60s garage rock groups. So anyways, mm-hmm. then I started turning Mike and Scott on to old Alice Cooper, New York Dolls, T-Rex, Stooges, MC5, all that shit. So next thing you know, we're hanging out, and I was like, they had the drums, I had a shitty guitar and a shitty amp, and I was like, hey, Mike, why don't you play guitar? Scott, why don't you play drums? And we're around, what year was this? Oh, God, 96, 97, yeah. okay. maybe. I was like having like a timeline in my head. So I showed Scott a little bit on drums. I showed uh, Mike power chords, showed him Louie Louie. So <laughs> we would just play Louie, and it wasn't even the right way to play it. Yeah, it was just three chords that he could figure out. <laughs> yeah, so we went that, and then Mike learned, I want to be your dog. Uh-huh. Then he went and took lessons. Then, well, this, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. So then we started, and my girlfriend at the time, I was like, well, you play bass. So then we had a band and it was never like, we're going to sound like punk or we're going to do this or we're going to do that. That's just what we sounded like. Cause that's, we were, all, they were learning how yeah. to play. And that's, just kind of what happens when you just start learning how to play. You just write simple three, four chord well, punk yeah, rock songs. I was learning how to play guitar. Yeah. So that's all I could write. It's still all I can write. I, just, <laughs> I can do more shit with it. Now. I don't know, man. Uh, to, to put a quick pin in it, to fast forward to today, you know, being Mr. Special, I am getting to hear a little bit of <clears throat> advanced uh, stuff yeah. from self made monsters. I disagree. I think you are an extremely talented songwriter that's mm-hmm. way beyond well, fucking you. three record song stuff, but we'll get to that. <laughs> I'm in full agreement on there, but yes. But yeah, so you know, y- y'all kind of start just kind of getting shit together and just really didn't have a plan of we're going to sound like this. You no. just started writing. No, but when we first started, of course, the first show we did, uh, some of the people were coming up and throwing out the germs comparison. Okay, so that. Like, and I don't mean the album. I mean, like, their first 45, where it's like. Mess. Yeah, it's a mess. <laughs> That's what we sounded like a mess. <laughs> but was it a tight mess? No, okay. it was a sloppy okay. mess. <laughs> I was going to say, a tight mess can still be a great show. Uh, well, that's where me acting like an idiot came in. Okay, okay. So, to take away from them not really being able to play, I acted like an idiot. So, where does well, that... I didn't, well, it probably wasn't really acting. <laughs> just letting my inner idiot come out full derby crash yeah that is one of the things i have always enjoyed you know seeing self-made monsters and you know, you're a very dynamic front man and i you watch certain front men you're like oh okay well clearly he liked so and so you know because you, you see a little movement like that i mean hell even i watch myself back and i see a paul stanley movement i'm doing like totally by accident it's just in the back of my head mm. going or when you're playing guitar and you hit a note like this you do your body like that what kind of vocalists really influenced you for just the letting loose on stage thing or were you not even 
or is that not even a conscious thought? Well, it's not conscience. I just do whatever, but obviously there's a little bit of Iggy. There's a little bit of James Brown. Um, and one guy that really had a, been a big impact on me more recently was John Brannon okay. from Negative Approach. Okay. Easy Action. That guy, when I saw Negative Approach the first time, I was like, man, that's that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah. And that hadn't happened in a long time. And um, just a lot of different, a little bit of Mark Bolin, especially yep. if I'm playing guitar. Mm -hmm. Um and of course, you know, seeing Annie seen about five thousand four hundred and fifty six thousand yeah. billion times. That'll, that'll kind there's of do a little it to bit you of, too. There's a little bit of Jeff Clayton in there as well. But the just letting loose, that's purely me. Yeah. Some of that other stuff might creep in here and there. Totally. But like, that's just influence. As soon as I get on stage, I don't I'm not thinking about anything. Mm -hmm. I say, Nothing. I was gonna say, don't you kind of feel that, Alex, when you're performing? To an extent, yes. I, I feel like hearing other musicians talk, I might be a little bit more in my head and thinking a little bit more than what traditionally some people do. Well, if I'm playing drums, yeah, then I'm thinking sometimes. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, look at that dumbass over there in the corner <laughs> or... You know, hey, he just fucked that part up on but the bass. It, I guess it know. would just feel like I shouldn't be doing that because I'm playing rhythm guitar mm. and singing and moving around. It feels like I would just need to be 100% in the moment. But no, I find myself kind of like observing everything a little more than maybe I should. I catch myself doing that too, especially with bass. Cause you, well, it's also fucking bass cap. <laughs> exactly. I should be more free, right? <laughs> should be like getting girls' numbers and stuff yeah, like really? while you're playing. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's actually turned on. Yeah. I can actually dance to it. So, yeah, I just basically black out. Yeah. And something my fiance said the first time she saw us, she goes, she was like, you always wonder why I'm, you, we always have like women and, and men that like us, right? But now the guys will come up and talk to us, but most women will not. And right. she goes, well, you want to know why? She goes, because you look like you're going to kill somebody. <laughs> and you look very, very pissed off and angry. Mm -hmm. And that's why. Um, and, and you don't exude that the entire time, but like, you, you know the songs I'm talking about, where it's like coming out of a guitar solo and you'll just scream, yeah. you know, get, going back into it. I can always tell right when you're about to scream, your eyes, it's like, they'll get a little bigger. I can see it in your face. You're almost getting pumped up for the big, yeah. and yeah, you do, you look like you're ready to just fucking murder. Yeah, well, I feel that way mm -hmm. most of the time. Yeah. So it's a good release for all that shit. I was about to ask, so like, you know, so basically from the 90s on, it feels like you've just been kind of going like, all right, well, this is my music. I'm just going to kind of keep writing it. How has it been within the last couple of years of not really being able to do many shows? Because you, you never well, really played a lot yeah, to I, start. I was going to say, it's, we're very sporadic for a lot of different reasons. Right. Uh, member changes. Mm-hmm. Asshole members. Um, we know nothing about that. <laughs> uh, addictions uh, across the board yeah. with that shit. Uh, people dying. Not in the band, but, you know, close family members. Yeah. And not only that, I, I just, I don't know. 
there's a part of me that just doesn't give a shit. Yeah? I'm not going to lie. I just don't care. About the performing aspect of well, it? Well, I like performing, but I don't give a fuck about any of that other shit that goes along with it. The booking it and the people showing up. I, and, I just don't. It's I don't care. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, it just gets to a point to where it's like I'm jumping through hoops and I'm not a hoop jumper. Mm-hmm. I don't like doing that in everyday life. Are you going to do it in the thing that you really enjoy, which is music? Yeah. Well, and then part of me is like, well, you should because you want people to hear this and you want to play in front of more people. And then there's that other part of me that's going, I, I still don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Uh, okay, well, let's dig into that a little bit. Maybe you don't care because you haven't seen the results from it. Maybe. Or maybe I just don't care. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it could be a, a plethora of things. Yeah. And plus, I hate looking at it like a business. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that you have to, but I still can't reconcile that in my brain. I cannot. I think everyone has to reconcile different things different ways. Like, oddly enough, the thing Cap and I had to reconcile with over the last year is being called and being accepted as a songwriter. That felt very weird to us. But, so, kinda, but like, so, yeah, it feels very pretentious. Yeah. But like someone was like, oh, y'all are great songwriters. And I'm like, no, 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 we, we just, we, we write songs. They're like, yeah, so you're a songwriter. I'm like, ah, it just feels we're weird. We're not James Taylor, you know? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like both of us were like really pushing against it for a minute. And they're like, no, you write something that's catchy. If people want to listen to it and sing along, you're a songwriter. Admit it, own oh, up yeah. to it. And it's, it's just a weird thing. So I think just musicians, everyone has that weird line that just feels weird for us to like put our foot over. And and also, I'm not. Uh, I'll throw this in there too. We're lazy. <laughs> that could that's be another a huge reason thing. why you know we'll get going. We'll have a lot of good momentum. We'll be playing shows, and then the next thing you know, it's just like eh, whatever. Yeah. I try not to be the laziest one, which I don't think I am. I may be, but it, it also gets hard when you feel like you're pulling all the weight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can I can see that, or when you have somebody pop in the band and they're super productive, and then for whatever reason they leave, and then you're kind of stuck back doing you know by yourself. I, I've never been able to experience that one. Uh, <laughs> thankfully, the people that have been productive have stayed in the band. <laughs> well, well, right now with um, Jimmy Jimmy mm-hmm. Totoro yeah, yeah. on bass, it's pretty productive oh yeah and and like i said man i mean i know we kind of skipped a little bit in the middle between yeah. like 90s to today but i mean that kind of like got us to the point of what created self-made monsters and honestly man i've i've got the seven inches you know rabies shot uh i've got the cds and this new material really does feel like a new band almost like it's still the same vibe it's still the same sounds but after i listened to that stuff i actually went back and listen back to the old stuff again. And I don't know, was it a conscious decision to kind of keep pushing it further? It just sounds like no. self-made monsters well, on steroids now. Sonically, yeah, there was a decision there. Yeah, but that's, as far that's as, especially, not necessarily songwriting, but like yeah. sonically and like yeah, production. Sonically, yeah, that's that's where Tutoro comes in. He's, he's fucking great. Yeah. And I'm lucky enough to have, you know hooked up with him a while back i've known him for years and he produced the one-man race and the fine stew ones yeah yeah 
And then to have him come in on bass, number one, it gave me somebody to bounce arrangements and ideas off of for mm-hmm. the actual songwriting. And not only that, he he's a grower. Right. You know, we've always had this saying, or I have, grow or go. Yeah. So we're all, that's why a lot of people get left behind because um, some people didn't want to use pedals. <laughs> we're like, oh, you're going to use a wah pedal? Well, yeah. Oh, you're gonna you're gonna use a theremin, or you're gonna and then well, we had uh, other people that were wanted to go way too experimental, mm-hmm, and it's mm-hmm. like no, we're not doing that either. Um, so to have him in there kind of brings it all together because he's a hell of a fucking you know engineer, producer, musician, all that, musician, all around guy and the stuff he records and it only keeps getting better because he's gotten better and I'm getting better and yeah. we're getting better equipment. So all of that adds into it growing and getting better. Do yeah. y'all care about, you know, the record making process and take that part to yes, heart. You are correct. See, that's something else that me and I'm glad you fucking got that out. Yeah, that's great. Because I love that too. Because me and Tuttero talk about that, about how not so much these days, but like I can't remember what we were listening to, but he said, you know, people really just don't understand how much time and work and effort went into making a record back then. Now it's... And I'm not saying every band does this, but it seems like a lot more do than don't. It's slap up some mics, record it, and there it is, which is fine mm-hmm. for some some bands, and, and sometimes it works out great that way. But for us, that's not the case. Yeah, we want to try the microphone here. We want to try it there. We want to put three micro. We want to do what uh, Tony Visconti would do with uh, David Bowie's vocals. We put one there, one there, and keep going back and back and mm-hmm, back. Mm-hmm. So we like experimenting as well as far as that goes. Different rooms. I, I was, I was mm-hmm. hoping we were going to lead into that. So let's talk about that real quick. Uh, when we were here, give, when you were giving Cap the grand tour of the place, uh, you were explaining how you actually went and recorded these most recent batches of songs. Like you actually recorded most of that in your house and on your property. Yeah. Um, well, the first record that's done, the drums were done out in the practice space. Mm-hmm. Then we did the guitar. And, and real quick, the practice space is like this beautiful, like hand-built shed. It seems like it would just be like a shed full of like lawn equipment, and you know, like a mower or something. Mm-hmm. But it's like you open it up, sound treated in there. You've got like a fucking upstairs that yeah. you could like put the engineer stuff if you wanted to. Yeah, we've done it. We've done the Fine Stew record like that yeah. out there. He had the control room upstairs, and we recorded downstairs. Yeah. So, um, and then all the guitars were done in here, and he does the bass. At his place, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> uh, and did the vocals in here as well. And then on this, and I kept, I kept saying, I was like, man, you know, I think the living room with the drums would sound really good in there. So yeah, we just put the drums in there, mm-hmm. mic'd them up. How he, you know, he does, he knows how to do all that. And he, he's, the, the cool thing about him too is if he reads about something, he'll want to try it mm-hmm. and he try it. And then one thing that really helped out on the newer, newer stuff we're recording is he got this um, condenser mic that can be used in the bass drum. It can be used for vocals. Awesome. So the drums sounded fucking great in there. So how we do it, 
I wish we could do it all live, but yeah. we kind of do, but we don't do the drums. Me and Mike play guitars. Totoro plays bass while he's running all the shit. Yeah. And we get live drum tra- tra- uh, yeah. live drum takes, quote yeah. unquote. Yeah. Because Scott, it works better with Scott when we're playing along with him. Right. I'm not saying we, we're helping him keep better time or anything, because we might be fluctuating right. as well. That's how we've always done it, too, to, for the most part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then go back in and do the guitars, yeah. bass, and then all the other shit that me and Totoro decide to throw in there yeah. to make the song better. No, and, and I and I love that kind of DIY stuff. It's like, and, and the thing is, is with technology the way it is. I mean, you can either curse it or embrace it, you know. And it's like with the way technology is now. I mean, as we were talking about right before we press record, this little Zoom recorder we did here is like we tracked full demos with it. And if I studied it a little bit more and I had a couple extra microphones, we could absolutely track something more than serviceable using this thing so i love hearing you know bands that are just getting together set the shit up in the living room throw some microphones on and you know let's actually study the shit let's do our personal research and make this sound the best we can i love hearing about that shit dude yeah well a lot of those 70s records were made in houses and things like that too all those led zeppelin albums and uh roy thomas baker albums exile on main street was yep. made in a house um well i mean because at this point in time with the kind of equipment he's got and the shit he's got on his computer, I used to be that guy. I was like, it's got to be, you know, two amps, old guitars, tape machine. Uh-huh. <laughs> if it ain't that, then I don't want to fucking hear about it. Well, yeah. then it got to a point to where keeping that tape machine up was a pain in the ass. Not only that, when Spencer. I recorded Drag Your Knuckles with that tape machine and the I had a... I think it was an 80s studio master british board mm-hmm. it was a fucking pain in the ass yeah i'd go out there one day one channel would work the next day that channel would work the other one wouldn't another it's back and forth the tape machine was temperamental mm-hmm. uh, back then the reel-to-reels weren't too expensive uh, but I'm sure they are now. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. it's not in full production. So it's either dead stock or yeah. like one well, or two I, companies that still make it. I used to go up to Mars Music and I think get, get them for like 20 bucks a pop. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they would just have them laying out on the table. Yeah. And I would just scoop them up. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a pain in the ass. Now, I love that. But with what he has on his computer. Mm hmm. It sounds good, so I can't really complain. So I finally got to a point to where I embrace using old stuff and new stuff yeah. and put it together. And I'm sure that was a breath of fresh air for him as well, because <laughs> yeah. I used to fight against all kinds of ideas. Yeah. And I, plus, I was you know drinking back then, so I was really stubborn. You yeah. Know? You'd bring up something, a new idea. No. We're not going to do it like that. I want to do it like that. So, but now I'm just like, okay, yeah, cool. Let's if it try works, that. great. Yeah. If not, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll yeah. do it again. You can do all those 70s idea, ideas, you know, with digital equipment, with mic placement and things like that. And, and one of the coolest things I saw, the only band I really saw using it was uh, Kiss on their uh, Sonic Boom record. But um, I'll, I'm, I'm surprised more bands didn't use it. During the mastering process, there's this new piece of equipment that is like a reel-to-reel tape machine that has one constant loop of tape on it. So when you're bumping it down to master, 
it's playing through the tape and saving it as a new mp3 file so you're getting the warmth of the tape on the master so yeah i, I think that's pretty fucking cool well i like doing as much um how, what, what am i looking for I like recording as much stuff organically as possible. Yeah. But with, I mean, because he's got like all these Moog synthesizers oh, and stuff yes. on the program. I'm not against throwing some of that shit in there either. You know, I, yeah. I don't care at this point. You know, if you want to throw in some computerized hand claps and they sound good, I'm like, okay, <laughs> cool. Or just do the hand you know? claps and just digitally uh, yeah, well, synthesize yeah, them together. Yeah, or make it sound like it's Loop more them. than one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm fine. Now, like I said, a long time ago, I'd be like, no. Yeah. No, we have to have an actual Moog synthesizer. <laughs> a $2,000. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nah, I would that way. Yeah. So now, I'm, I'm not like that. What eventually kind of made you want to go down that route and eventually be a little bit more open to it? Um, one was because there really wasn't any other choice, yeah. you know, and two, that's what Jimmy, Jimmy Tuttero, I call him Tuttero because I know too many Jimmys. Yeah. <laughs> Even I do. Like when you first said Jimmy, I was like, repo? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it was because that's what he had and, and he won me over because it sounded good because yeah. he knows what the fuck he's doing. He's he's put the time and the work into it. Yeah. And, and you know, because some people, they think if they get Pro Tools or they get a couple microphones and they get some software, recording software, then they're good to go. I'm a producer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's not the case with him. Yeah. This motherfucker is, is put in the work. Yeah, and it shows. That, you can read about it. You can... Do it a little bit, but until you've got years of experience doing it, you know, it's just, it's not the same. And oh. he's put in the work. Yeah. He knows his shit. So I felt I was more comfortable with it at mm -hmm. that point. It, it didn't feel like some Joe Schmo was just going, oh, let's use digital amps. It was someone's opinion you trusted going, Eddie, let, let's, let's give this a shot. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that makes, that makes sense. It's, it's, yeah, that, yeah, I get that. Or somebody saying, hey, just plug your guitar straight into the board. Yeah. Right. You know, you're like, what? Yeah. I'm Excuse like, no, me. I've got to have a fucking tube amp. Yeah. I got to, I got to have it rattle my head while yeah. I'm recording, man. And then, you know, cause we've done all that. We've recorded the guitar down low and, you mm -hmm. know, beef it up on the computer. And then yeah. I've also been like, well, we've done that. So now on this song or on this record, can I fucking turn the guitar amp all the way the fuck up and record mm -hmm. it that way? And he's like, yeah, let's do it. One of the things we've ran into recording is I don't think in any studio we've been to, we've done bass through an amp. Bass has always been DI, and if there's any live amp, it's usually a blend through a solid state yeah. with the DI. I, now thinking on it, I can't think of any studio situation where we've actually tracked bass through a full amp. It's always been DI. I was well, wondering about that too, if y'all did bass amps or you did DI through that. Um, on the first seven inch, we recorded at a studio because I was in um, I was in another band at the time called You Bangy Stomp. Okay, and that drummer had access to a studio or worked there or something like that, and he had tape machine that we had to lug around. It was yeah. usually one of us that carried it or two of us. <laughs> but anyways, the way we recorded that was like it was live. Yeah, that was all live except for the fact that the 
bass player at the time, but it, 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 it wasn't very good. Got it, got it. So Jimmy Gardner came in and redid the bass on that, but I, that was through a bass amp, and the rabies shot was done the same way. That was um, pretty much live. That's and, actually still probably one of my favorite songs of y'all's. Yeah. This is catchy as hell, just that bam, 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 da-da. Well, a dog had actually bit me, and I thought I had rabies. So <laughs> well, I you guys a, just write from a real place, it, man. Yeah. That's why um, it's cool. It comes from a real place. Well, and then, too, a, a bat got in my house, so I thought I might have... <laughs> <laughs> rabies twice. I was paranoid. I thought maybe it just being in close contact with me. See, bats aren't going to be associated with uh, rabies anymore. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> Why? That's supposedly how the whole COVID shit started was a bat. Oh, yeah. I don't keep up with that kind of shit. <laughs> You're like, I'm over here making rock and roll. I don't know what fucking virus is doing. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm aware. I remember, what was it, bat stew or something? It came from? Yeah, something like that. I or like a bat in a lab with uh, no, you're, you're the. No, you're completing the monkeys in the lab stealing the vial oh, of blood. Yeah, there's always a critter's fault or some shit. <laughs> yeah. Some fucking critter's Dude, fault. Blame it on the bat. <laughs> oh, no. Not some idiot in a lab. My biggest question is why the fuck are people eating bats anyways at this point? It's 2020, 2021 when this shit happened. Why the fuck are people eating bats anyways? It's a delicacy, Is there enough man. cows? Nah, man, it's a delicacy. Horses. I was going to say, in, in fucking Asian countries, uh, cows are harder to come by. I was going to say, cows we are... We can import or export whichever one it is. <laughs> we can send them. <laughs> send not, them cows. Not in this trade war. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot, whole... but then again, I'm sitting there, I'm the kind of guy, I'm like, well, I'm a meat eater, so I guess if that's what they were serving, I would have had bat stew as well. Yeah, so... Well, you know, to me, if you eat meat, then how can you say no? I wouldn't eat a dog. Yeah, you're you're just putting a, a human emotion on exactly. something that doesn't have. Human and not emotion. only that, if you had to survive, would you rather eat a dog or a human? See, I've asked people that, and I'll some say, people will go, "Oh, I'll eat the human." I've had like people straight up do they're, that. They're saying that just to, you know cool or whatever. Right. I don't know. <laughs> to to uh, not make their uh, girlfriend, whoever else is in the room, mad at them. Yeah. <laughs> Me, I'd, I'd like, if I was starving, I would take that cat right there. <laughs> also, that's a pretty that, fat looking that cat. That cat would be eight with no regard. And he looks right over at yeah. you. He's like, excuse me? <laughs> yes. Yes, little kitty. I would eat you. Cash was like, fuck you. I'll eat you first. Well, see, now that would be cool. I would like that. I've heard those stories where the guy dies and he has tarantulas and snakes and uh, lizards and they find his body like two weeks later and it's been devoured. Oh, yeah. yeah cats don't give a fuck. Yeah, they would eat me. That'd be cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm cool with that. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. <laughs> That'd be a metal way to go out. Just, uh... But anyways, so the drag your knuckles i was like i'm gonna do this myself because we had a falling out with that guy so then i had a bigger place it was a room twice that size oh wow okay yeah so bought the tape machine bought the tapes bought microphones i had a buddy of mine ian that knew about recording stuff more so than me so he kind of got it set up and got got me up and running so with that i tried to do the bass both Right. I had it running into the board and was recording the amp. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I failed miserably oh. with that. 
was horrible. Just didn't sound well, right. Well, I mean, it's not horrible, but it wasn't the sound that I was wanting. That's yeah. that's my only. When I listen to that record, that's probably the only thing that really pisses me off. The bass tone. Yeah, is that I because too I was trying to use it because see I did half the bass tracks on that and Russ did half the bass tracks. Got it. Okay. As I was also using a distortion pedal on the bass which i knew mm. absolutely nothing about i was just like hey, it's just like a guitar you just plug it in and there you go i know the feeling and, <laughs> and, and i was absolutely wrong mm-hmm. and, talk- yeah go ahead go sorry ahead. no go ahead i was gonna say i was just real quick uh just sidebar on bass playing just like i was having a t- conversation i think with alex the other day about how starting off as a bass player you want that big beefy motorhead mm-hmm. sound mm-hmm. and so you realize all i'm doing as a bass player is ha- providing a nice round tone for the guitar players to sound good over mm-hmm. you know well, I was going. Well, there was another band that was pretty influential on us as a whole at that point. Well, there was two: the Action Swingers and the Cosmic Psychos. Mm-hmm. I was wanting that bass sound that the Cosmic Psychos have because it's real fuzzy and right, nasty, right. and that's what I was going for. And I, like I said, I failed. Yeah. So that was done all pretty much live as well. Um. I would be playing guitar, running the tape machine, running the board, while Scott was playing drums. Mm-hmm. So I'd be playing with him, and I would keep that guitar track. Or And Mike would be playing and doing his leads and stuff. And if something wasn't good, then we would go back in and overdub it. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And then I would go do my vocals by myself. But it's all we've all been playing with Scott in some capacity. And then... The, the bass thing, yeah. Um, one Man Race, that was a bass, bass rig recorded. Yeah. Fine Stew was a bass rig recorded. Now, uh, with uh, the newer stuff, I don't... I'm pretty sure Tuttero is doing it all, just plugging straight in. Yeah, yeah. And, and like you said, you know, both have kind of their pros and cons with the whole thing. I think I've just found that through bass, really what you're trying to get is low frequency and tone. Mm-hmm. So... If you want to really get that low frequency, honestly, a direct in is going to be your best way to get that manipulation. With guitar tone, you really do want a certain kind of crunch, and so an amp still can be, you know, really beneficial for that. But yeah, bass. I feel that. I think that was one of the few I've kind of like looked at over the years and went, okay, <laughs> that like a, like a like an Eddie moment, being I mean, like, okay, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, on this newer stuff too, we had enough amps mm-hmm. to where. That uh, the Music Man used uh, both of them at the same time. Uh, the Marshall, mm-hmm. the Soft Tech Head, you know, do, using different amps on different songs. My Just placements do, on the amps it, and stuff, too. Trying all that different shit, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and even with the drums, we were doing different shit on the drums for each recording. And so, like, Self Made Monsters isn't like the only band you've done recordings with. You know, was there the you bangy stomp stuff? Okay, uh, was yeah. there anything with Frankenstein Drag Queens? Like, like, actually, what was your favorite session to record? If it's Frankenstein, I mean, if it's a self made, that's fine. Well, let me. I'll answer that after I go through that. All, All right. right. So, with Maniac Spider Trash, I left before they recorded anything. Okay. So, I was gone. Branded, I did a demo tape with. That was at Hooverama, mm-hmm. which I nothing against that kind of environment, but it was too sterile. Okay, for you? Yeah, for me. 
it was I was just like, eh. Mm. You know, if this is what this is like, I don't like it. Got it, yeah. You know? And the drag queens, I was only I I did that as a favor to help out Joe because I already had the monsters going. His bass player had left and I, you know, like I could play power chords on guitar, so you know, you mm-hmm. could show me these songs on bass. So that's kind of so he just gave me a bass and was like, "Here's these songs." So right. I learned them, and I played with. I did that for a year, didn't record anything, mm-hmm. and then I had monsters going. Well, the guys from Eubangy Stomp saw us. Mm-hmm. No, we. No, I take that back. We played a show with them and the drag queens. We were the opening band, and I had told Joe about You Bangy Stomp because I'd gotten a demo tape. Got it. And it was good. It was like you know New York Dolls, um, Heartbreakers, not not Tom, not Tom <laughs> yeah. Johnny Heartbreakers. Thunder's Heartbreakers. Yeah. I have a copy of that CD, I think. The I one like that you're it. on, at least. Yeah. Well, that, that was the only one. Well, there was two seven inches they had done before me with another bass player and then a seven inch and a CD that I did with them. So recorded that, and then it's self-made monsters, and then I played with this guy named Brian Baird. He ended up calling the band International Bastard, but I think it was called The Negatives before. Did some mm-hmm. recordings there, and then uh, Biggie Stardust, which we recorded some really kick-ass songs mm-hmm. that still haven't came out and haven't, and hopefully haven't. they will if anybody Jeff. if a certain person listens to this <laughs> i like Trust them me, I, you don't know and i'll say he's this probably just thing. gonna record them with his new band and mm, just, he's he's done with us man it's like we we served him we gave him the best lineup he yeah. ever had and ain't even gonna fucking release the material yeah this is sad. The damn shame. I think he put what one song out online. Uh, the, the four are they're on SoundCloud, oh. but like no what one is that? No one uses fucking SoundCloud. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> what is that? It's for rappers. Is it a record? It's for rappers. Is it on a CD? No. If it ain't, then I don't know shit about it. <laughs> it doesn't exist. It, it doesn't happen. exist. Is it on a cassette? <laughs> I don't even know if I would know about it then. <laughs> What's that? Nah. An eight track. <laughs> Oh, yeah, there we go. But, we'll just put it on eight track. Um, I don't. I would say, well, because you got to think for a lot of those, I was drunk, right? So, because actually, real quick, I, if we can totally cut this out, if you don't want to make mention of it, but something that you have really worked on is you've done an amazing job with sobriety. So you did have a little bit of that problem and man, I can even see it on your face. You have a new rejuvenation and a new vitalization about you. Well, it's, it's and I'm gonna, I guess I'll come off as a asshole by saying this, but there's been no work. No, I'm I with, just, yeah, but I just quit. That yeah. was it. And some people can. Yeah. No meetings, no higher power, none of that shit. Well, Whalen, now watch, I'll be drinking tomorrow after I say this. What's, we jinxed but, uh, it. What's the Waylon Jennings quote where he says, Betty Ford didn't get me on the stuff, and she doesn't have to help me get off yeah. it either. Well, I mean, and, and, you know, to each their own, whatever works for you, do it. But, you know, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I just quit. And yeah. it's been, this will be the seventh year. Yeah. And wow, I guess we haven't known each other for way longer than I keep thinking. Because yeah. if you if this is going to be your seventh year sober, I'm, I yeah, remember well, you knew a good, me when I was drinking for yeah. a good handful of years. So we've known each other for 
I would say at least over 10 years at this point. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it does. It doesn't, which is, God, that's fucking weird. <laughs> so I would say because I'm clear, I have a more of a clear head and I'm more aware of what I want and my surroundings, I would say the stuff that me and Tuttero have done in the past year, because we started recording before the pandemic hit got one record done then got another record done and now have another song done excellent i love hearing that stuff man and now i've got i think four more songs written so all the shit's recorded but none of it's coming out (laughs) (laughs) but that just means that 2021 and 2022 are going to be some busy times for self-made monsters i'm going to be hitting it out and i'll unfortunately have to book shows and play shows no (laughs) i don't mean i don't mean unfortunately (laughs) Just, he says to the uh, audience uh, that could be yeah, coming out uh, to those yeah, shows. <laughs> I gotta see your dumb asses. <laughs> with any luck, it'll probably be with these and two other chuckleheads <laughs> here at the table. It'll probably be like the same ten people that come and see us every time. <laughs> and no, in that I case, mean, they know just, what they're coming for. What I mean is, it's just, it's just, it's like, God damn it, you know? It's like, do I not have to do enough shit? And then I gotta... You gotta start the machine back gotta, up again. You gotta start it back up again. It's like, because that's the way it's been with us. We'll be productive as fuck, and then nothing. Yeah. And then productive as fuck, and then nothing. We're, we're going through the same shit, that's, man. We're in our productive phase again. We had the nothing as fuck last year, and now we've got the good drummer on our team again. And it's like, we've got photos done, we got new recordings done, we're getting shows done. It's like, this is gonna be the busy year, and... Knock on wood, yeah, yeah. If, if shit, if, if everything goes the way it has been, next year is going to be the fucking slow year again, but I don't want that to happen. Well, that's, that's how, that's how <laughs> album cycles work. You put it out for a few months, let it simmer a little bit, then nothing. Or do what we did, release an album the Tuesday before the Friday that lockdown happens and completely fuck yourselves for the entire year. <laughs> well, I mean... I would use that to my advantage. We tried. It didn't work. <laughs> no, everyone was freaking out about money. No one was spending uh, yeah, money yeah, on yeah, fucking yeah, music. Yeah. It's not just I, us. It's I, everybody. Oh yeah, everyone it, we talked to, they had albums like coming out in the middle of the pandemic that they w- couldn't change. It wasn't me. I bought more shit last year than I probably have in ten years. Where, where's your copy of our record? You gave me one. I know. <laughs> last time I saw you a couple weeks ago, uh, when we released that shit last year. No, I was just like, oh, well, I can't go anywhere, so I guess I'll just buy a bunch of shit online. Hello, Amazon. That's how it uh, was with everything. But no, this new stuff, to me, it's been... Uh, not to really get sentimental or anything, but man, it's it's why I play music. It's why I enjoy enjoy listening and playing music what is when we recorded this stuff it brought all of that back it's like this is why i write songs this is why i don't mind booking shows and going through a bunch of shit to get a show and or dealing with a crowd or no crowd and all that other stuff that goes along with it this is why is because it's fun it's fun writing songs recording playing live all that shit's fun to me yeah it's just well, the, well, the business pl- side of it wears you down all the shit that and that's goes, what stiff media comes well, into play well, <laughs> well not only that it's all the shit that happens with various band members throughout time it's just everything can can kind of drag you down or make you question doing totally, it totally or you know 
you nobody likes us or nobody comes to see us. You know, all that shit comes into play and then you you write a great song or a song that you think is great and then you record some fucking great sounding shit and then that brings it all back as to why you enjoy doing it. So these sessions that I've done with Tutoro the past year or two have, have been the best. And that makes me really happy to hear. And you saying that, talking about, you know, getting back in and it kind of rejuvenating you and revitalizing you going, you know, this is why I do it. I mean, I, I can only speak for me. It's like those the last session we had in Atlanta was exactly that for me because every other session we had had, I'm, I'm sitting here listening to you like nodding going like, yeah, I've been yeah. through that same shit where it's like it eventually felt like a chore. And it's like I don't want the thing that I enjoy doing ever since I was, you know, 10, 11 years old picking up a guitar. I don't want this to feel like work. I don't want to be like, God, we've got to go record the stuff that mm. we made. It's like, yeah. no, I want to be excited about it. And finally, for the first time, probably since the first record, did I walk away from the session going, that's why we do this shit. Yeah. And it's like, and it's such a really nice experience. Well, there were, there were ups and downs with this shit, but at the end of the day, the, the pros were outweighing the cons. Yeah. And me and Totoro would do stuff, and it just they were like, man, it was really fucking cool. And go like, well, this is this is why we do this. Mm-hmm. This is exactly why we do it. It's just so refreshing to pair up with somebody that knows how to make good records like that too. Mm-hmm. That, uh, and it's even the reason why we do you know this show is to be able to talk with folks like you. You know, is you would be surprised, but it is extremely hard to find like-minded individuals like this. And I'm not talking about on like a political spectrum or a, you know, moral spectrum, but like people that genuinely like good rock and roll, that don't settle for bullshit, that require the utmost, you know, from the bands that we listen to. It's very hard to find people with those kind of standards. And that's why I've been extremely thankful having folks like you, Russ, Williams on my side, because you guys just don't settle for crap whether it be locally or your personal taste well, and it's yeah. kind of helped instruct throughout my years kind of looking at something going that's some fake bullshit yeah. but if you got the three of us together we would all three individually hate on something that the other one likes oh every oh, time dude. that was my <laughs> and say it's horrible or uh-huh. this that and the other some of my favorite times being a musician was at either a biggie practice or a hated practice and just seeing you and jeff williams bickering back and forth and i knew that both of y'all liked insert band that y'all were bitching about here but the two of y'all were just shit talking it so hard trying to outweigh how bad the other band is to the other person and then you'll just be like well what about fucking foo fighters you know this is some random ass shit it was beautiful this is the problem with musicians we can go for hours about bands we hate. I could, yeah, I could <laughs> do both. Like, I could go on ones I hate and love. But I was not lying to Jeff Williams when I told him that I cannot stand Bruce Springsteen. That's just horrible. <laughs> that got him so riled up. That is some Christmas music. That's all he writes is Christmas, Christmas songs. Christmas music. I can totally hear it now. It's every song. It sounds like it needs sleigh bells in it. Born to Run. Where's the sleigh bells? Where are they at? It was great as you know, when, when you're around friends and family like that for so long, you, you know they're like ticks and you know when their face changes and it's like the two of y'all are just like going back and forth he's like kind of like got that shit eating grin on and you're just like and i just don't fucking like springsteen 
His face did change slightly, like, wait, what? Oh, he's got me a couple times. He walked by the poster of Jimi Hendrix and was like, oh, man, that's a cool Phil Lynott poster. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, ah, yeah, it's real fucking funny. Oh, me and Alex will go back and forth on Van Halen and shit like that. See, see I can't stand I, Van Halen. See, I'm, I'm right there with him. <laughs> and, I, and I get it. I come from like the the musician part of it, where it's like I get why you hate it, but this like the, then you get those serious Here, digs where it makes you go like, now, mm. now I get to finally have my moment in the sun. Is their version of "You Really Got Me Now" the worst fucking cover on the face of the planet? No, it's not the worst. Oh come on! Uh, now, because I'll tell you why it's not the worst. Because the other day at work, this the dishwasher was the dishwashers like to play music. And how from dare what, they? No. Well, well not, yeah, how dare they, how dare they when it's something that's awful? Because I hear this. At first, I hear a cover of Bad Company. The oh, song God. Bad Company, right? By and the I, band. Bad Company. Yes. Bad Originally company, off the album. Bad Company. Bad company. <laughs> it's it's kind of like, hi, my name's Chris Daughtry. <laughs> hi, my name's Chris Daughtry from the band Daughtry. My first album's Daughtry. <laughs> anyway, Daughtry Country. Anyways, anyways, so I hear this and I'm like, what in the fuck is this shit? I was like, the original's not even that good, but this band's just shitting all over it. It's fucking terrible. And then... I hear a band covering the uh, Genesis song. I think it's Genesis oh, or Phil Collins. Oh, fucking, uh, uh, don't tell me. Let me finish okay. my story. It's that <laughs> the land we live in song. Land right? of confusion. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I I don't like. Phil, I don't like Genesis or Phil Collins. So whatever. Anyways, so then, and it's, this is all bringing back memories of me hearing Creed do um, eighteen. <laughs> They, I did they not know they that. did this. Yes, it's I've fucking terrible. That. Anyways, so then I hear some band doing House of the Rising Sun. Which one? And then, it's just, this is like cover night with this guy. He's playing all covers by all these shitty fucking bands. And then it's The Sound of Silence. Oh, I know this one too. Oh, no. So, therefore, I would say, no, Van Halen's You Really Got Me is not the worst but it is nowhere near the original. And yeah. I get that, too. I love the Kinks, too. And that I, Even sound. if I hated the Kinks, that song, their version's still better than Van Halen's. It's fucking terrible. See, I can't have these debates because y'all already set your way regarding Van Halen. <laughs> no, and I, I, know I tried. Why. Listen, I tried. Through, my brother-in-law was the biggest Van Halen fan on Earth. Saw him on the, uh, what, like, three or four times. And I'm... I was old enough to remember when they went and saw him on the 1984 tour. And so I grew up around that. I grew up around that, Kiss, Journey, uh, all that other shit. Yeah. But anyways, Grand Funk, some of that stuff I like, some of it I don't. It's I don't really care for Journey, don't really care for Van Halen. But I tried with Van Halen because I'll give them one thing and one thing only. That song Unchained is fucking good. It's Unchained fucking. I love that album. That album fucking rips. DOA's not bad. I like DOA. That's one of my favorite one off that but record. But now outside of that, I draw blanks because I had got a couple um, records by him. I was just like, this just doesn't do anything for me. And plus, David Lee Roth is a wiener. <laughs> he's not witty. He's not he's funny. Not. It's just stupid. It, it works for the, it works he for those makes, albums. He was a terrible live singer. He makes somebody like Vince Neil look like goddamn Einstein. 
Well, he was the archetype for all of that. I know. And that's why I can't give Van Halen the the Van Halen hate all that much, you know. I can't frown upon that because it's a similar reason for why people hate Kiss, why people hate Guns yeah. N' Roses yeah. and yeah. a lot of other bands that I'm into and things like that. It's like, I get it, yeah. but it's still cool to me. I'm a fan of, you know, like the first couple of Van Halen records, that live room setting with those big-ass sounding drums. Oh, they're they're big great ass sounding, sounding albums, um, but there's just something about them that this that's never clicked with me and, and you know like i got into kiss i got into fuck i got into fog hat i love fog hat you know i love grand funk i love motley crew first two albums yeah i like poison's first album still now you know when i was a kid i liked them all but van halen is just is something about them i don't know what it is I feel like uh, at some point the three of us need to do an episode with Russ and just call it "I hate that" and just have like a three-hour episode <laughs> but, of us but, just going through. I, I, I will, I will uh, tell you who these bands were that were doing all these horrible covers because I, I was asking the dishwasher as, as they were playing. I was like, "Who in the fuck is this?" Five finger butt punch. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, 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 disturbed. disturbed. Yeah. Uh-huh. Did two of those. And I was like, this is fucking terrible. That Sound of Silence Disturbed cover is one of that. Yeah, I do agree. That that might be worse than that you got me now. It's auto-tuned as a motherfucker. I don't even care about that. It just sucks. It does. Now, but go listen to that House of a Rising Sun. That, that'll take the top. Ugh, it is, I'm afraid. Is it awful. Is it worse than the Limp Biscuit version of Behind Blue Eyes? Like how everybody's just like, wait a minute. I forgot about that. That's fucking terrible, too. There's not even a drum part in it. It's just them going L-I-M-P. Then it goes to the, no one knows what it's like at the end. They just get that entire instrumental part. I want to punch you now for making me remember (laughs) that they did that. That is the worst. (laughs) That Creed 18 is is fucking Uh, horrible, too. Do I want to give that? You don't. You don't. the, The morbid curiosity you it's can do that me. with your headphones when we get home. Right. <laughs> I don't want to hear that in the car. I don't want to hear I was going to work, and at that point in time, I lived on a mile-long dirt road, so I didn't want to fuck up my cassette player, right? So I'd listen to the radio until I got to the end of the dirt road. Yeah. And I turned it on, and, and I'm like, who in the fuck is this destroying 18? And I don't even think Creed was a big band at this point. And then finally, at the end of it, they were like, that was Creed with their version of 18. I was like, well, they fucking suck. Yeah. <laughs> Corn did a Pink Floyd song, from what I can remember, too. What? Another Brick in the Wall. That was pretty even, bad. Who's that? Corn with a K. Oh, oh, the then, oh I was talking about Pink Floyd. <laughs> oh, that shit sucks, too. See, I grew yeah, up see, on Pink need, Floyd. Uh, yeah, we need to do an episode see, called That Shit Sucks. See, and I'll be the guy that everybody's, he's just trying to be hip or, or, or ironic. Ladies and gentlemen, I have known this man longer than maybe most of the listeners listening here, except for, of course, close friends and family of ours. The, he is not trying to be funny, cool, or trendy, or turning it no. on a personality for the microphone. I, I like Piper at the Gates of Dawn. That's a good song. And that's, no, the album. Pink Floyd. When they were like a title, wasn't that the title track too? Piper. I don't think so. That was like pre Dark Side though, wasn't it? No, that was the first album. Piper. I thought that was like brought. That was post Sid Barrett and before. No, that's the first album. That's okay. That's with Sid Barrett. Sid Barrett was on two songs on Sauce for Little Secrets. That's that what was I'm it. thinking of. But that has two of the best songs of all time: Lucifer, Sam, and Interstellar uh, Overdrive. Overdrive. That's a good one. But uh, other than that, you like the Sid Barrett space rock Pink Floyd. 
Oh, it's just, and I like well, the, I like, I like the Sid Barrett. We can actually write good songs, Pink Floyd. <laughs> oh, you mean I've got a bike? You that's can a great ride song. it if you like. You gonna tell you me can... that's not a great pop song? I, I like the song, but do it's, you like you know... Cheap Trick? <sighs> yes. But... All right then. <laughs> <laughs> so you like? Yeah, yeah it's we, still a ridiculous you know what, song. You, you know what I don't like? Cheap trick. Uh, we've had we've had terrible. this debate before too. <laughs> yeah, we, they're, we, they're not terrible. They're just not that good. We we've got to have that up. So we got to get Russ on, or we got to get Jeff uh, Williams on. One of the two. Williams He'll just or want Russ. to talk about Bruce Springsteen the whole fucking time. <laughs> See, and I don't like Bruce Springsteen all that much. So I'll side up with y'all on that yeah. one. <laughs> the fuck writes a song born in the usa it's like who the fuck cares where you were born asshole it's about a vietnam vet though man it's, oh, about, it's anti-american oh, oh until uh, it was just, marketed that way no <laughs> well since we've been I talking about a bunch of shit we don't like how about we actually talk about some shit we do like so let's go ahead and dig on into our spotify playlist and figure out what the hell we've been listening to what you listening to son I don't think you like it. Well, why not? I like this new generation of music. Where did you record this? I bought it at the mall. What that person on your tape has is a medical disorder. Oh, I'm on fire. <laughs> All right, Cap, what the hell have you been listening to? Man, a lot of James Brown lately. Oh, yeah? In particular, uh, was a Revolution of the Mind his third live album? or uh, It was in the early 70s funk yeah. era. Uh, in particular that has you know more of his you know vamp tracks but you know live so it's there's more energy to it and it's yeah. just him and the bobby bird and the rest of the band just going ape shit all now over is it. it is that one with um bootsy on bass it doesn't have bootsy on it okay. i looked up the uh, lineup for that record and it doesn't have anybody that's you know familiar on it but just ripping oh, versions of get up is getting, it, it's got clyde stubble stubblefield and maceo and all those cats i think i think I it does know. i yeah. can't remember <laughs> They, like Clive's probably like the most. I think Clive was on this one because this one, uh, Funky Drummer was coming out and all mm. that. But no, I definitely recommend Revolution of the Mind and also what was the other one I listened to? Uh, what is it? Back in the Jungle Groove that has a lot of uh, alternate versions of uh, stuff they recorded in the room, like a lot of his vamp tracks. See, I don't have have that. I, I like uh, the album Hell a lot. I haven't listened to Hell yet. But yeah, back in the, in the jungle groove, that's got the picture of him just kind of sitting I've in what the, looks like. I've a, seen the record. I just haven't picked it up. It's got a bunch of like great quality, just you know, in the room live tracks of say, get up, get into it, get involved, soul power, hot pants. Yeah, early seventies James Brown's definitely my favorite. Oh yeah, I mean I like Mine pretty too. much all of it except for you know, well, mid seventies I drop off. But what about payback? That's a great song. I love that song. That's like. 73 let me look up the uh year that one came out but that's that, got one of my favorite lines in, in a song ever i don't know karate but i, I know, know crazy, crazy. <laughs> this fucking genius yeah the payback was 73 yeah that's a great album too Mm-hmm. that was like the one that everybody kind of frowns upon but that album just fucking rips that one and um god what's the other get on the good foot Get on the good foot. That's a good one, too. What was the one uh, album truck co- cover you had in there? Body Heat? That, that, that's a good album, too. That's probably the last last, last one I own by him, as far as years go. Yeah. That's the late, laterest one. That uh-huh. one. <laughs> it's just, uh, if you haven't seen the cover from uh, Body Heat, it's just James Brown with a very odd outline of him uh, getting electrocuted or lasered or something. <laughs> I, I think he's getting electrocuted by lightning. Yeah. 
because uh, excuse my because. cough. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, check out some James Brown. It's good for you. Well, Eddie, what the hell have you been listening to, sir? See, I don't have my phone that I can pull out and uh, and look at because I don't listen to shit on my phone. <laughs> so I have to rack my brain. Something for everybody to check out: Lee Harvey Oswald Band Blastronaut. Okay, I think I saw a CD in there. Um, great covers. They do um, the Amboy Dukes. You uh, you talk sunshine, I breathe fire. Mm-hmm. And do they do a version? You really got me. No. <laughs> and they also do the moves Brontosaurus, which is great. But the whole album is fantastic. It's like uh, amped up glam rock. All right. They were they they're a they're a better version of Turbo Negro that actually uh, hey, came hey, out hey, hey, before hey. Turbo Negro. <laughs> Probably more uh took more chances calling themselves Lee Harvey Oswald. <laughs> yeah, but they weren't really even a real band either. Really? It was Rick Sims. Who was he with? He was in the Super Suckers. He oh, was okay. also in the Digits. Um so he just got he this. He had to have been a drummer, right? No, he's a guitar player. Played on one album, I think, from the Super Suckers. Oh, Black Super Suckers are all songs remain the same. I don't one know early about early's. Super Suckers. I just know that he was in the Super Suckers at some point in time. Okay. Maybe the Black Super Suckers. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so that's that's good. Um, I finally came around to Boyster Colts Agents of Fortune. I used to always hate that album. Agents of Fortune is that the one with the, the snake the, on the cover? No, or? that's the fourth album. It's the it's the one with the uh, guy holding the cards. Oh, that and has the Reaper and all that. So I like that, and I like This Ain't the Summer of Love. And yeah. that's all I liked for years. And then somehow or another, I started listening to it, and I was like, this is actually a pretty good fucking album, because I just like the first three. Yeah, yeah Secret Treaties is my shit. But also, if you haven't heard it out there in uh, podcast land, check out the demo version of Don't Fear the Reaper, because it's just as good as the original song pretty fucking good oh yeah no I, I feel like everyone here at the table is fans of like digging in and finding like the demos and the early yeah. versions of stuff sometimes um, it's better and what else especially with a band give like us that. one more here oh man fuck because <laughs> so i'm gonna wind up teeing you up for some hate on mine um self-made monsters <laughs> Um, the Grand Funk live album. Grand yeah, Funk okay. Railroad live album. That is, I always, I used to always forget about that album when people say great live albums, but now I don't because I've been listening to it a lot. Yeah. And that might be my favorite live album of just all time. Good Grand Sonic, Funk. set list, everything. Everything. Sounds good. It's fucking just kicking, they're kicking ass. People forget how much of a ripping band Grand Funk was back then, too. Yeah, they were yeah. fucking good. And for mine, like I said, I'm kind of teeing you up here, Eddie. Is for some reason this week I fell back into a bad religion hole, and uh, the one record I've been really listening to was actually the Cinnamon that came out in 2010. So it's weird to think that it's over 10 years old at this point, but it's it's got some cool shit in it. And the reason I like some of these like later bad religion records is they don't sound like old bad religion records. They've changed it up they kind of write more riff rock things with a little bit of a faster punk attitude but like the musicians they have in there aren't like just you know sloppy guitarists they actually like try to write songs and through that it kind of creates a different dynamic than what some of the older stuff is and i can see eddie's head just ready to fucking explode know, right yeah, now I, I, don't, <laughs> I know absolutely i couldn't tell you what they sounded like other than my perception is just 
generic California punk rock. The early records were, absolutely. And I'm not that big of a fan of the early records, but as time went on, it was kind of like they've slowly figured it out more, and they they just kind of hinge more on rock and roll with a little bit of a punk edge these days, and that's what I kind of like about it. It's more groovy than punk. They kept their core sound, which is like their three-part harmony vocals over, you know, punk rock riffs, but with the actual good guitar playing yeah, from like Brian Baker. Yeah, but is it like chugga-chugga riffs? No. No, they're okay. like... like uh, like harmony riffs like you know there'll be like a big open a chord and then you'll have another guy on top of it no 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 you know kind of guitar riffs over top so it's like green day no green day is more radio rock uh-huh. this still has a little bit more of a bite to it that you wouldn't hear on the so radio it's like rancid no, Rancid is hot topic. Like, rancid is more like reggae. And shit. Yeah. Like, I see what he's doing. I do, I, do, I do too. I do too. But I've also oh, talked oh, to this motherfucker so, long enough to know oh, what so he's doing. Like, so it's like the offspring. No, the offspring is more for like 13-year-old girls. Oh. Yeah, yeah. What's bad religion for? Uh, 60-year-old aging punks. Oh, yes. <laughs> <All right>. Yes. <laughs> the punks in the uh, polo shirts and khaki pants. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, no. It, I don't consider them a great punk band, but if I'm looking for something a little different, they are one of the few that I'll turn to, especially way quicker than a fucking Offspring or No FX. So. <laughs> so I don't know anything about them either. Yeah, same. That's, and that's the why no I <laughs> Totally you, you, clueless. You, you know a little bit about it. You've talked some shit before. No, I just... Were there pop punk or something, skate right? Punk. Oh, skate punk. Yeah, no, I don't know. Weird, like, skate punk's only kind of, like, sort of... Kind of, sort of grown on, grown on me through, like, the no effects... The later no effects and Bad Religion releases. I know Bad Religion isn't pop punk, but, you know... Yeah, they, they got more skate punk. They got melodies. You know, they write, you know, catchy songs. Yeah, the only reason I know about Green Day is because they were a big band and I couldn't get away from it. <laughs> Well, they got some okay songs, I guess. Honestly, I, everyone gave it shit. And Rancid was the best Clash tribute band of all time. <laughs> that I when I heard Ruby with. Soho or whatever, I was like, oh, was this a outtake from Give Them Enough Rope? Now, I'll still own up to it. You you probably won't agree even if you listen to it, but a lot of people gave the uh, last Green Day record shit. They called it Boomer Rock. Cause I, they don't, tried, I don't think I heard anything from it. They they tried rapping in some more classic like pop rock kind of shit, mm. and the fan base really rejected it, calling it Boomer Rock, saying it sounded too classic. But they, they stripped away, not doing... I didn't doing, know what you were saying at first. I almost thought you were it's, trying to it's say new boomer, age, it's Boomerang new, or something. It's new age fucking slang. It's what the kids oh, call music that sounds like dad rock. It's called boomer rock now. What the now. fuck is dad rock? <sighs> Everything ACDC we love. and shit like that. Uh, well, goddamn, if that's dad rock, then yeah. what the fuck is father rock? Because <laughs> that new ACDC is pretty fucking good. That's, I yeah, like it a lot. That too. kicks most younger bands' asses all over the goddamn place. But the current generation calls it dad rock, boomer yeah. rock. It's that boomer generation rock. I hope I get called boomer rock. <laughs> but no, they, they released a record and it hinged really heavy on like cleaner guitar tones and mm-hmm. like better songwriting. And like Billy was singing in like falsetto and some stuff. He wasn't like doing Freddie like, Mercury? Uh, closer to Rob Prince. Rob Cl- say, closer like to Prince. Prince. Rob Halford. <laughs> <laughs> but no, they, they took some risks. It didn't sound like American Idiot. It didn't sound nasally. You know, he actually tried like singing. Oh, so singing. he wasn't trying to sound like a punk from the UK. No, he tried sounding uh. like himself. Because the weird thing is, is like, you can hate the band or not. He actually has a good voice. And now he's actually trying to use 
his voice and I, no longer I don't an think accent. I can ever admit to that because what's the ballad something about September or something oh, oh they got two on there the had time, good riddance and the then time wake of me my up. life song yeah, yeah that was the acoustic one and then terrible. wake me up when September ends was yeah, the other both one those. yeah I didn't say they were good no I'm, I'm just talking about his voice oh okay well those, well, he was nasally on that shit yeah it's awful and that's why I say he's not doing that shit anymore I'm nasally too <laughs> <laughs> well is, if folks haven't been able to tell, we're definitely going to be doing many more episodes with you in the future, and we got to get the whole we got to get the whole crew together for an episode because that would just be pure debauchery. Your favorite band sucks. <laughs> yep. But no, Eddie, seriously, thank you for coming on. Folks no are about problem. to hear a track, and you can help us decide what that'll be after the fact. But right. if you dig if you dig it, we got some new shit coming out with Self-Made Monsters this year, right? Yeah. It's going to be coming out this year. I, I hope. Hope. We'll at least get a song out this year. Yeah. Well, you know, it all depends on how much money I can scrounge up to put it out. Yeah. Yeah. Putting it out online is cheap. Nah, well, yeah, but that sucks. That's what it said. A song, <laughs> oh, yeah. Eddie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. A song. Yeah. We, we'll at least get a song out this year. Physical copies, man. Physical copies are. What a are you gonna story. do when the interwebs crash around you, brother? You're not gonna have anything to listen to or watch. Physical media, I'm telling you.
physical media I'm telling you so, that's happened to a couple of uh oh that would have been a good <laughs> I was gonna up. say I was like if you haven't fucking talked over him that would have been I'll figure it out anyway thank you for listening please insert another coin by supporting the show for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash something good network